Hi, welcome to Nutra Champion, a podcast series where we speak with experts specializing in nutrition research, including scientists, doctors, and policy makers. Here, we will find out more about their research journey, their career, and even some personal life lessons. I'm Ting Ming, the editor of Nutra Ingredients Asia and your host for this podcast. You can listen to our past episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. In this episode, I'm happy to be joined by Verlin Go, our newly crowned Nutra champion during this year's Nutra Ingredients Asia Awards. Verlin is the co-founder and the CTO at Singapore-based Alchemy Food Tech, a company which started six years ago with a focus on making healthier food ingredients and products in response to metabolic problems, especially diabetes. The company's patented flagship product is Alchemy Fiber, which has been tested and proven to work with all carbohydrate-based foods to confer health benefits, such as increasing fiber and lowering the glycemic index of foods without compromising on the taste. Hi, Verlin. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. How are you? Hi, hi, Tingming. I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me here on the podcast and um, hope to be able to share some of the experience that I had uh, with all the listeners. Yeah, maybe first of all, we can start with um, you telling us about your thoughts on winning the Nutra Champion Award. Uh, I was yeah, I guess pleasantly surprised and obviously very, very honored uh, to receive the award. Uh, I'm, 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 I do know of a lot of uh, you know great innovators uh, out there, um, so I think to to receive the award is uh, definitely of a top honor and um, and it really uh, also uh, it's an affirmation of uh, like the work that we have done uh, at Alchemy, which I'm really grateful uh, that you know Nutra Ingredients uh, is recognizing. Uh, me as well as uh, our startup uh, uh, for the for the innovation that we have done, um, and I do hope that you know with the award uh, we can also continue to innovate uh, for better and healthier uh, food solutions for people. And I think also being a female entrepreneur, um, it I hope the award will also allow me to inspire even more females uh, to become thought leaders, uh, to join uh, the food industry, and also to be innovators in their own right. Yeah, indeed. Just now, uh, I introduced you as the co-founder and also the CTO, which is the Chief Technology Officer. And actually, you also uh, have a very interesting job title, which is printed on your name card, Chief Food Fighter. Can you tell us more about how did this name come about and why this name? Um, so I'm officially the Chief Food Fighter at Alchemy Food Tech. Um, so why Chief Food Fighter? Because... Um, uh, we're using food innovation to fight uh, chronic diseases such as diabetes. So um, why did we choose this title? Um, it was obviously, you know, being a startup, we wanted to have like interesting uh, uh, names <laughs> because we could, and it's also like a really great uh, conversation starter. Um, so I'm the I'm the chief food fighter of the of the company, and uh, my business partner uh, Alan, he is the CEO, which we shortened it to. I mean, which is uh, a short form of uh, of chief everything officer. I see chief everything officer. So he's like uh, in charge of everything. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah. 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 And so, uh, this is a company which started six years ago, and you know the company is now a familiar name in the industry. We read so many reports about the company, articles about the company's innovation, and in fact, the products they are available in places as far as the US. So, looking back, right, how did you and Ellen manage to grow the business overseas and in Singapore over the past few years? Um, so we started our company in 2015. Uh, actually, for the first uh, three and a half years, we were mainly focusing on R&D. So because for us, uh, we developed an, a patented ingredient, uh, which we call as alchemy fiber. Um, alchemy fiber itself is actually um, made up, I mean, there are many different blends of alchemy fiber, and they are uh, made of uh, different plant-based ingredients, uh, and it is uh, by nature like a low, uh, made from low GI, high fiber, and high prebiotic plant fibers. Um, but I think what's interesting about alchemy fiber is that when it is added uh, to food staples like uh, carbohydrate staples, uh, such as bread, rice, and noodles, etc., uh, it doesn't change the taste, texture, and color of the food, but it actually uh, helps to slow down the digestibility of the food, and hence, uh, you know, it it will result in a slower uh, glucose release from these food products. Uh, and that's where we are looking at how uh, we can help to control and manage like the blood sugar levels in the body and, 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 and you know, help, help with the diabetes problem. Um, so when we started the company, uh, we were really looking at how we can address a very big problem statement uh, with food innovation. So for us, we wanted to innovate on food to reduce the incidence of chronic diseases uh, for health sustainability. Diabetes is the first problem that we addressed. And, you know, diabetes by itself is a global uh, epidemic. So many people are already very concerned about this uh, problem. And hence, they are very interested in our solution. Um, and at the same time, we knew that uh, taste is king. At the end of the day, uh, health sustainability can only be achieved, uh, you know, when we can provide uh, that same taste that people love, uh, but yet at the same time, we can kind of like improve on uh, the nutritional characteristics of the food uh, so that, you know, it can help to reduce the incidences or uh, manage like chronic diseases better. So that's why, um, you know, I started off with saying that we spent about three and a half years doing uh, research. And I think that that research part is really important to us uh, because it enabled us uh, to uh, also um, have a uh, not only a, a proof of concept but a proof of value um, for our products. Uh, we did both uh, like in vitro as well as in vivo studies to show that our ingredients can really uh, affect uh, a, a slower digestibility in carbohydrate foods. And now we're working very closely with various food manufacturers, restaurant partners, as well as distributors uh, to incorporate alchemy fiber into their food products. Yeah, so just now you mentioned that in the first three and a half years, it's more about the R&D process and that uh, the company has been working with more uh, partners, industry partners uh, to incorporate the, the product, the ingredient to their, into their products. Is, is that the case? Yes, correct. So um, we have, yeah, like done uh, rice, bread, cakes, uh, noodles, you know, various different uh, food applications with our ingredient. Then in the case of overseas uh, expansion, right, how did y'all manage to do it? Who are the key partners that you are working with right now, as well as the key markets that you are present in? Uh, we actually just started uh, commercializing our products last year. So we have been in the market for about a year. 
uh, we are distributing also in uh, Philippines and uh, the US. Uh, we actually were approached by the distributors uh, who are interested in our products and we started to uh, work closely with them uh, to distribute our products uh, in these various countries. Uh, currently, we are expanding our global team as well uh, to have uh, more outreach to various distributors in, in various markets. Uh, but we are mostly focusing on uh, Asia, especially uh, China for our market entry. I see. Does it mean that the company will be entering into China soon? And what types of partnerships are you all looking at in China? So for our product, like in terms of our um, business model, we do have um, both B2C as well as uh, B2B. So for every market that we enter, um, there is the opportunity you know, to um, sell like our retail products, which is a B2C product. Or we can also work very closely with food manufacturers, uh, restaurants, uh, FMCG uh, brands, etc. Uh, for them to incorporate our alchemy fiber products uh, into their own products so that they can make uh, healthier uh, products for their customers. Um, so with that, I think uh, that's where the, there is a lot of uh, different opportunities uh, in the market. Uh, currently, we, we are already talking to customers uh, from various countries, including uh, Japan, Korea, Thailand, uh, obviously China, uh, India, you know, etc., etc., Indonesia as well. Um, so there is, uh, uh, we are very fortunate to have, you know, uh, a lot of interest from various uh, uh, countries, uh, manufacturers and distributors. Wow, so it seems like very soon we'll be able to see uh, the retail products and also um, companies, um, food retailers who are making uh, their products using your ingredient in different parts of uh, Asia. Yeah, we're definitely working uh, towards that. Um, we, yeah, we, we do have, uh, you know, like customers who are asking uh, for our products, uh, even, even in uh, the Middle Eastern uh, nations as well as uh, Europe, you know, I mean, apart from the US. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, really interesting to understand more about the various food cultures around the world uh, because that's really essentially what we do, right? Uh, when we're looking at how we can, you know, improve on carbohydrate staples, uh, it changes from countries to countries. So, you know, having um, a good partner in that, that particular country uh, and the partner can, you know, give us insights to what is uh, the requirements or what are the habits or cultures uh, in that country uh, is really useful for us because with that we can form like a strong partnership. We can uh, look at really how we can uh, improve on the daily staple that people are eating in, in those countries um, without um, affecting the taste and texture of the foods so that at the end of the, of the day, um, people will uh, you know, continue eating what they love, but you know, with like an extra benefit uh, to their product. Yeah, indeed, localization is very important so that, uh, you know, the uptake will be there. And you mentioned quite a lot of uh, countries just now from um, Southeast Asia to East Asia and even to the Middle East. So I'm wondering, um, what do you think is the main factor for people coming to your company? Why do you think people are drawn to your products? Hmm. Uh, I think that for carbohydrate foods, right, uh, innovation... In, I mean, there is uh, existing um, solutions for healthier carbohydrates, um, but I think they usually will fall into um, the range of uh, uh, 
uh, whole grains, you know, which um, is, is great. Like whole grains are great, right? Um, but um, in terms of like customer acceptance, uh, it is... It, it may be still on a, on a slightly lower side, uh, especially, I would say, especially in Asian countries where um, our taste preference is, is just uh, much more uh, tilted towards um, like softer, fluffier kind of like textures, uh, smoother textures as well. Um, you know, like I think the latest uh, textures trend in the market now is like a mochi uh, texture, you know, which is all about like chewiness, uh, uh, softness and all these things. Uh, so... So being an Asian myself, um, I do understand uh, when when people uh, like certain textures more than others, uh, and I think even uh, f- uh, for for um, like making healthier foods, right? Um, kind of like if people know that the food is healthier, it's uh, kind of insufficient for them to make a switch because at the end of the day, uh, people eat because they are driven by their habits, their cultures. Uh, even their family, etc. So, for example, uh, when we started innovating on rice, rice is a it's a it's a really common uh, food staple, a commodity, right? Uh, to make an innovation in rice is extremely difficult because um, it is a crop by itself. It's really difficult to add anything to it. Uh, there is a lot of um, loyalty to um, the various. Uh, even crop variety, like like rice crop variety, like you know, mainly in Southeast Asia we eat uh, uh, jasmine rice, uh, and in you know East Asia like China, um, Japan, etc., they eat um, uh, Japanese like the round shaped rice, um, and in India it's mostly like the basmati or pony rice, right? So even even in the, in, in the category of rice itself, uh, there is uh, so much varieties. And there is also uh, so much loyalties uh, due to habits and cultures. So to change that uh, to a different type of rice or, you know, even uh, a brown rice, it's, we, we come to realize that it's very challenging. Um, at the end of the day, people will want to stick to what they love to eat. So I think that's where, um, that's why people are interested in our solution because we are able to, you know, like improve on um, some of the nutritional qualities of, of the product without changing the taste and texture of the foods and I think that is kind of like a, a, a really key point for a lot of food manufacturers because at the end of the day they know that customers will continue to eat their food only if they taste good. In, in that case right maybe you can tell us more about the product, uh, the composition and how, how what are some of the key considerations that you all had when choosing the ingredients to make uh, the, the product? So alchemy fiber itself uh, is a blend of uh, low GI, high fiber, and high prebiotic uh, plant-based fibers. Um, for us, we research a lot into the different characteristics of uh, the ingredients um, in terms of how it will affect taste and texture, as well as how it affects uh, digestibility. So in our own uh, lab in Singapore, uh, we do have um, also a biochemistry team that looks a lot into um, digestion uh, protocols uh, to see how you know like the effect of uh, the our ingredient will have on the various foods and I think what's also interesting is um, it's also about uh, food processing so obviously when a food is processed um, you know whether or not you are baking it or steaming it or, or, or boiling etc um, because of the processing um, it also will change uh, the activity of the various ingredients um, the efficacy of the various ingredients as well, um, you know. So, 
when we are doing our research, uh, like kind of processing it properly as well as uh, understanding how processing will affect um, the digestibility is also super important to us. When it comes to a uh, product pipeline and also market expansion, what, what, what's the company's goal in the uh, upcoming one to two years? So um, in the past yeah, six years, um, uh, uh, yeah, also, um, we have been focusing a lot on uh, carbohydrate staples like, um, and also what I call as solid foods, right? Uh, but I think ever since we launched into the market uh, last year, we have uh, gotten a lot of uh, queries of, uh, regarding other types of uh, uh, products such as beverages, uh, even semi-solids like yogurts, uh, gels, you know, jellies and stuff. Uh, which is uh, very interesting, and 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 our team has started uh, to look into into those areas as well. Um, yeah. So in and I think in terms of uh, market expansion, uh, we are definitely you know wanting to expand our footprint uh, in uh, uh, like globally. Um, but so far we are mostly focusing on uh, Asia, um, and I think we are really looking for uh, more food manufacturers. Uh, uh, FMCG partners, uh, distributing uh, distribution partners uh, to to work with, um, so that we can look at how we can work closely with them to incorporate our ingredients into their products. Now, uh, let's find out more about your own personal journey into the health and nutrition sector. So, I understand that you studied food science during your university uh, at National University of Singapore. So, uh, why did you choose to study this and how did you eventually uh, start your own company? So, um, I actually chose to study food science and technology I guess quite an early age. Um, I found out about the course uh, when I was still in uh, secondary school or high school, um, you know, and I was really interested in it because uh, I think I've always had a keen interest in food uh, and I was a science student, so I was really interested in um, like chemistry, biology, um, you know, and I saw that and I was just amazed uh, when, you know, when we're taking in very simple ingredients like um, flour, water, you know, sugar, butter, and, and we can make a beautiful cake out, out of it, right? So uh, to me, I really wanted to understand much more about the, the science, the chemistry, and also um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm personally also interested in nutrition. Uh, so kind of like knowing why when we eat certain foods, uh, it will uh, affect us in, in this or that way uh, was uh, interest for me. So that's uh, why I actually chose to study food science. Um, and I think with that knowledge, I have also wanted to, like, you know, I wouldn't say I wanted to 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 um, be an entrepreneur uh, for a start, but I was just interested generally in innovation. Uh, so even when I was studying, I think I I do think a lot about you know what do people eat, um, how can we improve on uh, uh, nutrient factors of 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 food. Um, so. I myself, like, I, I love desserts, so, but I also know how unhealthy they are, um, you know, so it has always been my dream to, you know, make, like, a healthy dessert out there, um, and I think that's, that's where, like, the innovation factor uh, came in me, um, where it's, it's also, like, my personal experience as well as um, wanting to kind of, like, pro like make a change uh, uh, to people's health uh, that inspired me to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I think the entrepreneur journey for me really started when um, I met my co-founder 
and you know like because for for him he he uh, studied um, business um, so uh, like finance and, and entrepreneurship so I think uh, we both had uh, like dreams about what we wanted to do and uh, we were yeah like I had the expertise in terms of the technical side and he was uh, more on the business uh, side and I think that's where we found that okay like this is quite a good match uh, we can actually think about something that we want to do together uh, and we did yeah, yeah that's how I we got started <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, both of you can complement each other with different strengths. Yeah, I'm just curious, maybe for your first um, project, uh, do you still remember what it is about like a food innovation project you, during your university days? Um, so we did like a lot of various like food um, experiments, of course. Um, but when I was in school, uh, we had to do like a group project uh, for companies. And at that time, we were working with um, like a OTA company in Singapore, and we made an innovation on uh, Asian Asian flavors uh, rice burgers. Yeah, so that was like kind of my first foray into like um, developing a product from scratch, obviously with my team members. Uh, and then I think from there, um, uh, I actually look at developing uh, like a healthy vegan ice cream. So um, I did that on like during the final year of my studies and um, together with my business partner, we actually launched a business out of it. Um, so that was uh, my first startup. And, and yeah, and then after that, uh, we did Alchemy. Oh, I see. Okay, wow, they are very interesting products. In that case, how did you move from your startup, your first uh, venture, into Alchemy Food Tech? Hmm. So I think from the first startup that we had, uh, which was focused mainly on like um, a vegan ice cream, uh, which is also like low in fat and like low in, in the calories, um, was that like the one of the bigger takeaway was that you know. Um, Ice cream is, is at the end of the day like a, a, a smaller um, a category, like it's a dessert. Um, and I think when we were thinking about what we wanted to do, and I think for, for me, again, um, like the, the thought of like how can we improve people's health, uh, you know, coming from like uh, from, the, from the food innovation angle uh, was like egging me on to create something else that is even more impactful. And we decided to look much more uh, into carbohydrate staples uh, because eventually I think that is really the base and, uh, and the, the, the main item that people are eating on a daily basis. Uh, so that's, that's really where we started like, to look at, okay, how about you know, um, uh, innovating to rice? And, and obviously rice being rice, right? It's, it's, like, it's, so, it's so neutral. Uh, it's you know it doesn't really have like much processing on it uh, like to innovate on it was obviously a big challenge so we thought long and hard and <laughs> we came up with something and uh, we actually even gotten uh, we actually even got a research grant uh, from the Singapore government to kickstart like the idea and the and the proof of concept yeah, maybe to advise people who are also interested in starting out their own um, health and nutrition, food-related kind of business, right? Uh, what do you think are the resources and plans that are crucial in getting things started? Um, I think the very first thing uh, to have is a big idea. 
like I think it's it's really important to think about um, the problem statement, uh, and then the problem statement should be quite large, uh, rather than to be you know like really very small um, to to begin with. Um, and I think the second thing, which is really really important, is obviously funding. Um, so because also like how you know big your idea is, etc., um, will also be tied to you know like the kind of funds that you can get. Um, so funding is really important. Uh, so for us, I think because we are we are a deep tech startup, um, it is really important for us to you know have like funds um, so that we can do the deep tech research and even uh, human research uh, in, in, in our company. Um, so that's that's definitely like another really important uh, criteria. Um, but I think most importantly, it's, it's really about uh, also your co-founders. Uh, um, you know, like um, it's it's important to get a diverse um, a group of people to to be like part of the founding team together, um, and it's also important uh, that the founders can get along, obviously. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it I think that founders who share the same passion and mission and and want to take the company uh, towards the same direction. Is at the end of the day the most important thing because if there is any like differing views, uh, it's going to be very hard to to like carry on like the next plan. Yeah, so to share like that common uh, passion and mission is is truly important. Yeah, indeed. So now that you know you have um the things required, like you already know what is the issue that you want to tackle. You have the funding. You have the um team, a good team with you. Um, so what what are some of the key challenges faced? I I mean there will still be challenges faced and how did you and your team overcome the difficulties? Um, so for us now, because we are trying to enter um, also like, you know, the various markets, right? Uh, there's obviously um, a challenge with regards to like understanding more about regulator, regulations, uh, legislation, uh, how things work in the various countries, uh, etc. Um, so this is, I think for us, we are um, also trying to work with like consultants, uh, partners in the various countries, and also um, investors. Uh, you know, some of our investors because we do have like um, uh, investors from uh, various countries as well. So uh, very fortunate for us to be able to tap on their expertise and and their experiences uh, to learn more about the markets from them. Um, but yeah, I think along the way, there's always uh, various uh, challenges. Uh, and I, at the end of the day, it's really uh, being agile and dynamic. And I think more, most importantly, willing to learn, um, you know, so so never give up learning because there's always uh, things that um, we don't know. And uh, there's always answers out there. It's just for us to find it. Yeah, and you also mentioned that the company is looking at expanding the team. So I'm wondering, actually, how has the company expanded in terms of the team size, the setup, uh, the facilities uh, uh, in the past few years? When we started the company, it was yeah just me and my co-founder. <laughs> um, so we worked a lot with um, uh, the universities and various uh, other institutes to further our research. Uh, and then we grew our company to yeah like you know two four people and now we have about twenty people, um, so we're still looking to expand. 
uh, our company. How about in terms of the facilities and the R&D uh, facilities, um, how, how has it expanded or in what direction do you hope to uh, further expand this, uh, this area? Uh, we, in fact, we just moved our office, I mean our lab, uh, about two, three months ago because um, we, we, we were in a smaller facility and then it gotten too small. Um, so we just moved to a, a slightly bigger space. Um, but yeah, like we, when we started out, um, again, you know, because we wanted to be really lean and um, uh, careful with uh, the resources that we have, uh, we worked um, very closely with uh, uh, the university, like um, NUS, uh, you know, uh, and tap on like their research facilities. We borrowed their labs. Uh, we worked with uh, some of the professors, etc., uh, to further our research. Um, and in only in 2018, um, so like about three years after we started the company, uh, then we then we had our own um, small little lab. <laughs> um, yeah, and this year, so again, another three years later, uh, we moved to a slightly bigger uh, location. Uh, so we expanded our food lab as well as our biochemistry lab, obviously with more equipment. Uh, um, we even brought in like deck ovens, etc. you know, like more commercial equipment uh, so that we, our experiments can be even closer to um, what's really out there. I see. Okay, then let's come to other bigger issues. So uh, with the past six years, right, uh, what do you think are some of the key observations that you have seen in the industry and in, in the consumers and policies when it comes to low GI, high fiber food offerings? Um, I think the food tech, like agri-food tech scene has definitely exploded <laughs> in the past uh, six years. Um, I re I remember when we first started out, um, you know, people were asking me, like, you know, I'm a food scientist, uh, does this mean I can cook well? <laughs> you know, so, um, the and also people's mindset, I think then uh, was that if you're a food tech company, you're probably into some kind of like um, uh, food delivery, you know, or uh, a food um, app or something, you know. I think that mindset, it has changed a, a, a lot. Uh, people now uh, know that when you're an agri or food tech company, uh, you're really looking at um, deep tech research uh, and, and, and looking at uh, uh, food innovation or agri, or agri innovation. And um, there's a lot more um, acknowledgement in terms of like the science and the research that you know all, all, all um, of us in the industry is doing. So really grateful for that. Um, there's also, um, obviously a lot more funding available now. Uh, there's more and more VCs um, or investors that is uh, looking at investing in the agri-food tech scene, which is yeah, very exciting for all of us in the scene. Um, and with regards to, I think, consumer uh, uh, like behaviors, um, I think with this entire uh, trend of um, agri-food tech exploding, there's also more awareness and acceptance of uh, food technology in, 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 in general. Um, you know, like obviously with the big uh, names like Impossible, uh, Beyond, you know, going IPO and obviously raising a lot of money, etc. Um, has really changed the food scene a lot. And people, um, you know, look at food innovation as really something that can improve uh, the food that they're eating. Um, no longer just like, oh, this is, you know, like... Um, like it's like, like, out of like, convenience like yeah, food for convenience or, or they or they may they may 
like I think in the past they may see it like a bit like oh okay it's so weird to be eating something that is um you know so much science into it like a bit like a Frankenstein kind of like you know idea but I think that is um obviously slowly changing there's a lot more acceptance now uh people understand that um food tech is not uh like some weird futuristic thing but it's really just about improving uh foods improving systems uh yeah etc um so I think that's great. Um, with regards to like low GI, high fiber, it's definitely growing. So there's more and more people understanding about GI uh, and and fiber. Um, but I, I do hope that it will have it will go even faster. <laughs> um, but I think there is a general awareness about um, how um, carbs are. You know, like 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 there's more people who are you know avoiding carbs or thinking that carbs are bad. Um, but at the same time, there's also more people like understanding that there's different types of carbs and, you know, like people can um, like choose to eat better, right? So um, there's still a lot of education to do um, to let people understand uh, what we're doing as well as uh, how um, various food technologies uh, can help to improve like nutritional qualities of food. But I think um, it is it is by nature like you know humans desire to be healthy anyway so for for people they are always looking out for a healthier solution um and they are and and obviously with covid right the entire trend of uh, healthy eating is also on the uprise uh, people are much more concerned about what they're putting into their mouths uh, they are willing to pay a little bit more not only just for um you know better tasting foods um uh, healthy foods is, is definitely something that they feel that there is more value and and they, they are willing to pay more for it because it beats like, you know, falling sick and going to see the doctor, you know. So so keeping themselves healthy um, through food is is um, still very, very important. I think especially in Asia where, you know, there is like the, the knowledge of um, like traditional Chinese medicine, traditional Indian medicine, basically traditional medicine and how food is like tied into health. I think that's where um, generally in Asia people uh, respect uh, food as as um, not only just providing calories but providing nutrition for them. And I think with the various food tech um, that's happening now, um, we're like really furthering this growth and furthering uh, healthy food trends in the world. You you were saying that you know there's an explosion in this food tech uh, industry in the past few years. So I'm wondering. Actually, what do you think are some of the market gaps? And how else do you think that the industry can further innovate? Hmm. Um, with regards to market gaps, I think there is um, a lot of startups in the, in the protein space now. Uh, I would say that the market gaps um, would probably be more on like the nutrition uh, side. Um, because I think nutrition is a very, very huge topic, right? Um, for us, we are focusing on, um, you know, improving uh, um, basically like uh, blood glucose levels, you know, uh, through uh, improving carbohydrate quality, uh, slowing down digestion, etc. Um, but nutrition is such a big topic. Um, you know, there is so many things that I think can be improved on. Uh, you know, um, there's obviously much more attention on uh, immunity health uh, with the COVID-19 situation. Um, but also, I think with uh, 
you know, aging population, there's going to be more need for uh, things like um, how do we improve, like, say, bone density, how do we improve, like, muscle mass, how do we improve um, uh, eye health, how do we improve heart health, you know. Um, so I think there is so much room for so much more innovation in the nutritional space. And I think we will have a lot more startups that will be looking at all these various uh, nutritional uh, uh, food innovation with time to come. So now we move on to the last question, which is about the policies. Um, how important do you think is the role of the policymakers in advancing healthier food options? And um, from your experience, right, do you think there has been enough attention being given to tackling chronic diseases? And um, uh, what help do you think the policymakers can give to the industry? Um, policy is definitely uh, definitely does play a key role uh, in terms of food innovation. Uh, I think especially if you are talking about, for example, like uh, the much more extreme ones like um, cell cell culture, for example, right? Um, policies um, can is is definitely directly um, affecting uh, their their launch. Um, as you know, if if the if they are not even like allowed to sell their foods, for example, because um, uh, the country restricts, uh, you know, uh, the sale of uh, cell-cultured uh, uh, meats or, you know, um, then obviously that would be a big problem. Um, so, ha- like, kind of overcoming all those hurdles and and, and regulators um, opening up uh, to food innovation is, is definitely very key. Uh, even for startups like ourselves or anyone uh, in, in the space where we are trying to look at... Um, health outcomes or even um, nutritional uh, claims, etc. Uh, I think this is also something that we do look forward to having even more support from the regulators um, because um, at the end of the day, um, as we are innovating, you know, we may be developing something new and obviously very quickly, uh, a lot of new innovation is coming up. Um, so, yeah, but, but, you know, when we are talking about policies, um, it sometimes takes like years uh, to introduce like a new uh, scope uh, or claim or uh, or a direction focus etc. Uh, in, in in terms of the regulation, um, which is um, you know sometimes a bit too slow for for innovation in the sense that like innovation can happen um, you know within months or you know like maybe two or three years. Uh, so it could be even a, a much shorter duration uh, compared to regulation change. And I think if we really want to um, be able to uh, tap on the full potential uh, of, of food innovation and have um, the benefit, um, like um, ex- like kind of uh, directly impacting uh, the end consumers, uh, it will be great if the if certain policies right can also um, hasten, and uh, obviously there could be also some um, more flexibility in certain policies so that you know things can move along faster as well. Yeah, in, in, indeed, I, I feel that this is one of the key points that a lot of um, businesses have pointed out, uh, which is the regulation. Sometimes they might not have uh, caught up with the uh, pace of innovation. So I think this is something maybe the industry and the policymakers, they can uh, work closely uh, to, you know, to, to help to make things better. Yeah, Berlin, thank you so much again for your time uh, to tell us more about your own personal story in the health and nutrition space and also your story about setting up a company and the goals, up, upcoming goals and targets. Thank you so much again. 
Right. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to Neutral Champion on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also head to neutralingredients-asia.com for more content and news on the nutrition industry.